Well, church, I hope you have enjoyed the service so far. We have been blessed by some of our younger talent and some of the anointing that has come forward. First, we heard from none other than Austin Paul Jr. And then we also heard the anointed ministry of Anaya Gaines as well. Can we give it up for them? Can we give them a hand clap emoji in the comment section? Because they did such a phenomenal job of ministering to us and leading us, ushering us into the presence of God. I wanna encourage you now to prepare your heart to give. The Bible says in Luke chapter 6, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will men give into your bosom. It is very interesting that in this season of pandemic, when most people are facing financial uncertainty and instability, that God has moved in such a way to preserve and sustain us. It is powerful to know that God is sending financial provision, supernatural provision into our houses. I have testimonies of that. I know many of you have testimonies of that. And isn't that a good thing to praise God for because he has continued to bless us. And as we prepare our hearts to get ready to give, I want you to bow your head. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to lift up your hands right where you are as I pray for you as we prepare our hearts in order to give in this moment. God in heaven, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who is our provider, we thank you that we don't have anything to worry about. God, we thank you that you have already taken care of tomorrow's issues, including our finances. God, I pray for those who are uncertain. Pray for those who are unsure. I pray for those who need supernatural provision. I pray that you would give it to them in increasing measure, that you would meet every single one of our needs according to your riches and glory. I pray for those who are wanting to perhaps give more than what they are capable of. God, I pray that you would help us all to realize that it is not the size of our offering, but it is the size of our commitment that you are most concerned with. And God, I thank you that you are good enough to despite everything that we've done, in spite of saving us, in spite of filling us with your spirit and sanctifying us, you still find it good enough to bless us as well. And God, for that, we say thank you. And we give freely and generously because that is how you give to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said amen, amen. Well, there are three ways that you can give. Want to run that back just so you remember. NDCCPensacola.org is our website. You can click offerings at any time throughout the service. Or you can also tag or you can also excuse me, click on the link in the comment section. So you can click on the pin comment in the comment section and there will be a giving that will take you, a giving link that will take you straight to where you can give one time or a recurring gift. Or you can also mail it in as well. P.O. Box 6400, Pensacola, Florida, 32503. May God bless you and your house as you give into his kingdom. Well, greetings and God bless church. I am so excited about the word today. If you are ready for a word, why don't you type in the chat, I'm ready. Type it in the chat right now, I'm ready. I believe that God wants to speak to us today. Our text is in Jeremiah chapter 29, starting in verse 10. Jeremiah 29, starting in verse 10. And it's interesting because today I was actually not supposed to preach. I was not supposed to preach this weekend, but God would not leave me alone about this text. There is something special that God wants to deliver to you today. And before I read the text and get into what I believe God wants for us to say, will you lift up your hands right wherever you are? Because I believe that God really wants to open up our hearts and plant the seeds of this word deep in the soil of our soul. Father, we acknowledge you. We acknowledge your presence. We acknowledge your word. We acknowledge your power. We acknowledge your preeminence. There is nothing that goes on in our lives without you knowing. God, I pray that we would lean upon that, but also, God, that we would wrestle with that today. 
God, I pray for those who need a word, who need an uplift, who need to be encouraged today. I pray that your spirit would move through the screens, would move through the smartphones, would move through all the technology, and would touch hearts, minds, and souls. God, we want to be transformed. We want to be different than how we came to this stream. God, we know that there can't be a fire in anyone's place if there is an iceberg behind the pulpit. So God, would you light me on fire that I may burn for you, that I may burn for your truth, burn for your justice, and may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh Lord, my strength and my redeemer in whom I trust. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen, amen. Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 10, all the way down to verse 14. And an interesting, but yet somewhat familiar passage of scripture. Here's what the prophet says. The prophet says, starting in verse 10, this is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And verse 14 says, I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. I want to talk today briefly about this concept, when God's plans don't make sense. When God's plans don't make sense. You know, sometimes it just doesn't make sense sense. Why don't you type that in the comments? It doesn't make sense. When we think about the attributes of God, when we think about the character and nature of God, most of us would mention things like God's infinite nature, like God's love, like God's holiness, God's goodness. But of all the attributes that give us the confidence to believe in God, one of the most important and yet vastly underrated attributes of God is the sovereignty of God, the sovereignty of God. The sovereignty of God is a theological concept that all things are under God's direction. Uh, People have spent centuries debating the extent of God's sovereign will in the earth and in the redemption story of people's lives, but all believers live in light of the implications of God's sovereignty. We believe that God created and directed the creation of all things, and as he directed the creation of all things, now he is above all things in order to control all things. Colossians 1.17 puts it like this. The apostle Paul, writing to the church there, says that he is before, God is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Job testifies of this in Job 42. He testifies that God can do all things and that no God-directed purpose can be thwarted. The sovereignty of God. It's that he controls everything. He is above everything. He sees everything. Aren't you glad that God sees everything this morning? Aren't you glad that he can see all the things that are happening? He can see the past, the present, and the future all at the same time. Aren't you glad that God can see all things? And one of the implications of the sovereignty of God is this. If God can indeed direct and control the situations and circumstances of life, then one of the implications is this. God always has a plan. God always has a plan. If you believe that, why don't you type in the comments, God has a plan. 
Many of us can testify to this personally, but the reality is we can also look back in the annals of Scripture, in the annals of history, to the great heroes of the faith, and we can testify that it is unique in the reality that God always has a plan. You know, it it really is seen in the evidence of how he constructs the redemptive story. Romans 5 puts it like this. At the right time, at just the right time, when we were still sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. Ecclesiastes 3 puts it like this. There is an appointed time for everything. God intersects with time and sets things up in a way to prove to us that he always has a plan. God always has a plan. And aren't you glad that God had a plan to save and redeem humanity? Aren't you glad that God had a plan to send his son to redeem lost people? Aren't you glad that God had a plan to raise us up after he raised his son from the dead? Aren't you glad that God has a plan? It's the sovereignty of God. If he is indeed in control of all things, all things are under his direction, all things are under his oversight, then of course, God always has a plan. But here's my thing, church. I have to admit to you, I think we have an issue in our faith. We have an issue in our faith because there is a lot of discussion about God having a plan and not a lot of discussion about when God's plans don't make sense. There's a lot of discussion about God having a plan. We talk about it all the time, ad nauseum. We do it all the time. We mention God has a plan. We throw it out as a Christianese cliche. We say when someone's going through something, remember God has a plan. But if I can spare just a moment of honesty, if you can give me that just for a second. I don't know about you, but I think there might be just a few people across the screen, a few people who can wink at me, who can wave at me, who can put one little finger up in the air and say sometimes the plans of God just don't make sense. I know it's, it's really sacrilegious sometimes for us to even say this out loud. Might feel a little bit odd, but the truth of the matter is this. We've gone through situations in life, and it seems as though these situations don't make sense. I thought God had a plan. I thought God was directing everything. I thought God was in control of all things. I thought everything was under his direction, and it seems as though sometimes God's plans don't make sense. I know that it may seem like throughout all of the history of Scripture, we can say that God has had a plan in specific heroes of faith live. We can see that in Joseph. But it seems as though even in Joseph's life, it seemed like the plan didn't make sense. Okay, so I'm going to allow you to be lied on, your death to be faked, your body to be enslaved, and then you to be put in prison. Also, I can take you out. I know we've seen the end of the story, but the reality is in the middle of it, if you really think about it, That plan doesn't really make much sense to me. Okay, let's take Moses. Yeah, so I'm going to bring you out, and I'm going to bring you out to the place where there's a Red Sea in front of you and an an, an enraged uh, Egyptian army behind you coming to take back what they feel believe they believe rightfully belongs to them. And, And I know we know that God split the Red Sea, and we came out on the other side, and he drowned the Egyptian army. I know we know how it ends, but the reality is that doesn't really make much sense to me. If you're in the middle of it, it doesn't make sense. Ruth, I'm going to prove to you that you have a kinsman redeemer. Okay, but first, I have to make sure that you get married into the Israelite family, into the chosen people of God, and then they're going to, your husband's going to die. Okay, so my spouse has to die for this to happen? I, I, don't, I don't understand. It doesn't really make sense. Now, now those are unfair examples because you know the end of those stories, but the reality is some of you are living in the don't make sense right now. 
somebody is, somebody can testify to me and you understand, you can identify with the reality that you're living in the midst of a situation that doesn't make sense. And you believe throughout the entirety of 2020, throughout the entirety of the pandemic that God had a plan, but it's starting to feel like God's plans don't make sense. And, and if you really can testify to this, you are the type of person who has fought with God in the midnight hour. You have been on your knees crying, worrying about a family member, worrying about a marriage, worrying about a child, worrying about a job situation, worrying about your finances. Your tears have crossed down your cheek as you have been driving because you're reaching the end of your bandwidth. You're reaching the end of your capacity. And you know that God has a plan, but the reality is that plan doesn't make sense. It, it, can anyone testify? Can anyone just raise a hand in the chat and say, sometimes God's plans just don't seem like they make sense to me. There's a lot of discussion about God having a plan, not a lot of discussion about when God's plans don't make sense. And here's the reality. Many of us, I fear we don't have a theology big enough to be honest about our issues with the plans of God. <laughs> we don't have a theology that's big enough that dares to ask a question. I believe that God will meet us in our honesty. I believe that God will meet us in our moments of vulnerability and transparency. But we're so afraid to get real with God and we're so afraid to get real with ourselves that we can't acknowledge, God, this doesn't make any sense to me. There's this popular verse. I read it at the top of this sermon. For I know the plans that I have for you declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And that's great. That's awesome. That's a, that's a very popular verse. We put it on t-shirts and mugs. We put it on artwork. But the reality is that particular verse has a context around it. Yes, God knows the plans. Yes, we know that God has a plan for us. But the reality is sometimes, even in the context of this verse, the plan doesn't really make sense. You see, Israel is currently in captivity in Jeremiah chapter 29. They're in captivity not because of something someone else did to them, but because of what they did to themselves. They're in captivity because God is trying to teach them a lesson due to their disobedience. God is trying to teach them a lesson because they had committed themselves to idolatry and injustice and insurrection, and they had disobeyed themselves out of what God designed them for. And the reality is they found themselves now in captivity in Babylon. The interesting thing is that the Babylonians came and they took a certain number of Israelites with them, the select few, the cream of the crop, the people who were in the upper echelon so that they could keep them in exile in Babylon. But the rest of them, they ransacked their city and left them in Jerusalem. So now you have a divided kingdom of Israel. Now you have a group of people who are in exile in Babylon, wondering what is happening back in Israel, wondering what is happening back with the people in their homeland. And they're looking around and saying, this doesn't make any sense. Notice, this is how God approaches this don't make sense situation. This is how God approaches it. Verse 10, this is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. Now, I don't know about you, but 70 years, that seems like a lot. Uh, 70 years seems like judgment to me. 70, 70 years seems like we're in trouble. 70 years seems like there's a problem. 70 years seems 
like an issue. 70 years doesn't make sense to me. Why 70 years, God? You're presenting this like this is good news. You're presenting this like we are supposed to know what's going on. And you have to understand the context of, of the scripture. You have to understand why God called Jeremiah to write them this letter and tell them that in 70 years I'm coming to get you because in the previous chapters there were some false prophets named Ahab and Zedekiah and Hananiah and they had given a faulty pronouncement about the current situation for Israel and this is what they said get this they said you're only going to be in Babylonian captivity for two years Jeremiah 28, 11, it says it like this. This is what the Lord says. This is what Hananiah said. In the same way, I will break the yoke of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, off the neck of all the nations within two years. Two years. Two years or 70 years? I'll take for two years, Alex, for 500, please. I'll take for two years. I, I reject the 70 years. No problem. That's a whole generation. I don't, I don't need to hear that. No, two years, that sounds like the word of the Lord to me. And sometimes we prematurely accept prophecies that make us feel good, not that actually teach us what is good. Sometimes we accept the prophecies that are premature, not the ones that came from the throne room and the presence of God. And that's exactly what the children of Israel did. They grabbed onto the two-year prophecy and they said, of course, now I only have to hang on for a little bit. The plan of God makes all the sense in the world and God has to set their expectations right side up and say, no, it's not two years. It's actually 70 years. This is what he says in Jeremiah 29 verse 8. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. Get this. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. <laughs> they are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. He disappoints them. You ever receive some disappointing news? All of us have received bad news, but you ever receive some disappointing news? Disappointing news hits different, especially in the midst of a pandemic. Disappointing news hits different. Disappointing news, it deals with our expectations. We had the expectation that because God had a plan, he was going to get us through this quickly. You know, we're dealing with this corporately in America. We have an expectation that we're going to get through this real quick. It's, it's, it's going to be easy. It's just going to fade away. It's going to disappear one day. And the reality is we're not seeing that and it messes with our expectations. It messes with our disappointment meter and we're receiving not just bad news, but disappointing news because the projections keep extending and the things that are happening around us keep being restricted. And it seems as though there is no plan. God, I thought you had a plan, but this plan doesn't make any sense. So what do we do when God's plan doesn't make sense? The first thing we see here is that God has already given them instructions. God wants us to, number one, write this down, develop in the darkness. Develop in the darkness. Type that in the chat. Develop in the darkness. God had already given them certain stipulations before he even said, I know the plans that I have for you. Let's scroll up here. Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 4 through 7. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Get this. Build houses and settle down. 
Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that there too may be sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I've carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it because if it prospers, you too will prosper. See, God is trying to tell them and through them trying to tell us when things get dark, it's actually the time to develop. (laughs) Do you realize that you can still prosper in a pandemic? Do you realize that you can still advance in the midst of your agony? Do you realize that you can still have increase in the midst of injustice? Do you realize that you can still develop in the darkness? Do you realize that God can still unlock the plans and purposes that he has for you in the midst of a difficult season? Here's the problem. Many of us want the plans of God to be a perfect situation for us. We only want to develop when everything is set up right and comfortable and neat and nice and tidy for us to be able to walk in what God has called for us to walk in. God says, no, no, no. The true test is if you can develop in the midst of a dark season, is if you can develop even when the plans don't make sense. It's when you can still do what I've called you to do, even when it looks like everything is going against you. And sometimes this is the problem. A lot of us judge the quality of our relationship with God based on the blessings he's given us, not the lessons he's taught us. Let me run that back. Let me run that back. Listen carefully. A lot of us judge the quality of our relationship with God based on the blessings he's given us, not the lessons that he's taught us. How do you know that you have a true relationship with God? It's not if God gives you everything that you ask him for. It's not if God does everything according to your expectations. It's not if God sets everything up perfectly. It's not if God follows the plans that you think make sense. It's actually as if God has developed you through the situations. I know I have a quality relationship with God based upon what we've been through together. I know that I have a quality relationship with God based upon what he's brought me through, how he's taught me, how he's led me, how he's guided me, how he's pushed me to develop in difficult seasons. I know that I have a quality relationship with God because when all the chips were down, I still thrived in the midst of it and it didn't take a perfect plan or a perfect situation for God to move in my life. I know the quality of my relationship based upon what God taught me, not based upon what God gave me. And some of us need to take a step back and say, are we developing in the midst of the dark season? 2020 isn't over, church. It's not done. I know it may seem like it is. Some of us are already making plans for 2021. Nothing wrong with that. But the truth is God desires for us to develop right where we are, when the situations aren't ideal, when the plans don't make sense, when it seems as though everything is dark around us. Yes, I realize that I don't get everything that I want, but in the midst of not getting everything that I want, can I do what God told me to do? (laughs) Somebody is hearing me today. Are you willing to develop in the darkness? Are you willing to expand in the midst of difficult seasons when everything isn't ideal? Somebody needs to hear this. You need to start that business. Somebody needs to hear this. You need to go back and get that further degree. Somebody needs to hear this. You need to go ahead and make that purchase. Somebody needs to hear this. You need to go ahead and sell the thing you've been thinking about hanging on to. Somebody needs to hear this. You need to go ahead and take a step out of the boat. You need to get uncomfortable. Why? Because you just want God to feel, you just want to feel as though God's plans don't make sense. No, I I want you to develop in the darkness. 
I want you to develop in difficult seasons. I want you to develop in the midst of your exile. And that's what God is telling us. That's the first thing he's telling us. You must develop in the darkness. So he says, I'll come to you and fulfill the promise after 70 years. But again, this doesn't seem like good news. He tells us to develop, but still, it's 70 years. We're in the midst of a pagan culture. We're in the midst of a culture of injustice. We're in the midst of the empire. So God has to help them out a little bit. Ready? This is the bumper sticker verse. This is the verse on the mug. This is the t-shirt. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Well, thank you, God. That sounds amazing. Awesome. But I'm still stuck in 70 years of, of exile. We're still stuck in captivity. We're still stuck in pain. Here there's something very interesting. God contrasts pain and prosperity, hope and harm. But he starts out by saying something through the prophet Jeremiah. He says, for I know, for I know the plans I have for you. There's something interesting at work here. What the children of Israel who were in Babylonian captivity could see was different than what God knew. What they could see with their eyes was different than what God was saying through the testimony of the prophet. And, and sometimes we have to admit this, church, sometimes what we see will contradict what God knows. <laughs> come on in, come on in. Sometimes what we see will contradict what God knows. See, sometimes we will see pain and harm, but God will know that we're headed toward hope and prosperity. Sometimes we will see difficulty and bondage, but God knows we're headed to a place of freedom. Sometimes we will see poverty and lack, but God knows he's taking us to a place of abundance. Sometimes we will see limitations and we will see a lack of expertise, but God knows that he's taking us to a place where the connections and the favor that he's given us are greater than any of our credentials. Sometimes what we see will contradict what God knows. Sometimes the reality will contradict the prophecy. Sometimes what you're going through won't feel like what God promised you. And I don't know if there's somebody right now who can attest to that? God, I thought you told me that in 2020, it was going to be my year. I came across some old posts of people saying, man, 2020, I'm so excited about it. It's going to be amazing. Hope filled. It's going to be so much fun. I'm eager to what God is going to do. And the reality of the matter is that's great for us to enter into a place with the anticipation, but all of our best laid plans have been wrecked. All of the things we experienced, all of those prophetic words that we thought came from true prophets, not false prophets, that 2020 was going to be our year, that 2020 was going to be the place where we abided in abundance no matter what was going on. The truth of the matter is, yes, for many of us, we can still develop in the darkness, but we're having to work out the sadness of loss. We're having to work out the grief of the plans that don't make sense. So what do we do? What do we do when reality contradicts a prophecy? What do we do when it looks like what we're going through isn't what God promised us? What do we do when what we see contradicts what God knows? How do we act? Number two here, remember, developing the darkness, number two, we seek God in our sadness. We seek God in our sadness. Look at what God tells them to do through the prophet Jeremiah. Verse 12 of Jeremiah 29. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me, catch this, 
when you seek me with all your heart. You know, sometimes the truth of the matter is, church, that God will allow us to get into a desperate place so that desperation can drive us deeper into devotion. Sometimes God will push us into a desperate place so that that agony will drive us deeper into leaning upon the plan and the purpose of God. Sometimes God will allow desperation to lead us into devotion. And here's a question I have for you. Does your ability to understand the plan of God affect your worship of God? (laughs) Does your ability to understand and comprehend the sense of the plan of God change your praise? Does it change your prayer life? Does it change your spiritual disciplines? Does it change the way that you live? Does it change the way that you are devoted to God? Did you stop coming to church simply because you couldn't go to the building? (laughs) I'm not shooting at nobody. I'm just asking the question. Did you stop coming to church because it don't feel the same online? It doesn't feel the same when I'm separate from my people. I can't really praise God like I want to in my house. And God is saying, well, wait a minute. If the plans don't work out the way that you think they should, are you going to stop praising me? Are you going to stop serving me? Are you going to stop worshiping? Are you going to stop praying to me? Are you going to stop being devoted? He's saying, I'm pushing you to desperation so you can grow, so you can seek me in your sadness. And this is what he says. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. See, this is why you have to create margin and room for God to speak to you. This is why you have to create margin and room in your schedule for you to pursue the the presence of God and pursue the spirit of God and pursue God speaking to you and that symbiotic relationship, that beautiful, sweet solitude and silence and all of the devotional rhythms that create in us and develop in us a relationship with God. Can you seek God in the midst of sad times? It is really easy to follow God when everything is going well. It's easy to praise God. It's easy to worship God. It's easy to bow down. It's easy for us to clap our hands when we don't have to worry about paying our bills. It's easy for us to do all these things in the midst of it. But the problem is, can you seek God in your sadness? Can you seek God in the difficulty? Can you seek God in the dark times? Can you seek God in the painful times? Can you seek him? Let me encourage you, church. Now is the moment to spend more time with God, not less. Now is the moment to dive deeper into the presence of God, not less. Somebody needs to hear this. You need to create and carve out that devotional time. You've gotten away from it in 2020. You've given yourself the excuse that the pandemic is difficult. Yes, the pandemic is difficult for everyone, but God does not give you an out. God does not give you an opening. God does not give you an excuse to not spend time in the presence of God, not spend time in the spirit of God. Desperation is supposed to drive us deeper into devotion. When we're sad, we're supposed to seek God in the midst of our sadness. Not only that, as we close out, We develop in the darkness. We see God in our sadness. Then God says something interesting in Jeremiah 29, verse 14. He says, I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I've banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. How are we supposed to act when God's plans don't make sense? We develop in the darkness. We see God in our sadness. Number three, We cling to the covenant. We cling to the covenant. You know, it seems really strange for us to think about this as a covenant, but when we think about the word covenant, it's just simply a promise. 
The covenant is something that we enter into. It's not a contract. It's not based upon if-thens. It's not based upon conditions. It's actually a covenant promise. It's a leaning and dependence upon both parties making a commitment. And the reality is we can't make a commitment to God. Even the commitments that we make to God, they will eventually fall short. But God has made a covenant with us. And he says, I need you to cling to the promise that I gave you. I need you to cling to the covenant. And the covenant is this. I'm going to be found by you. If you seek me, you'll find me. If you seek me with all your heart, and then you'll find me. And I'll bring you back from captivity. These 70 years, I know it doesn't make sense right now, but can you cling to the covenant even when it doesn't make sense? Can you cling to the promise even when the promise is not being actualized? And some of you are in this place right now. If you're honest with yourselves, the things that you believe God has promised you in years past are not coming to pass. The things that God has said to you, they're not coming to fruition. The ministry God told you you were supposed to have, it's not being realized. The things that you felt as though God was leading you into are not bearing fruit. It's not being productive. The job that you thought was your dream job is not living up to its expectations. The children that you raise well are not following after the Lord and doing what they are supposed to do. The marriage that you spent so much time in and developed, it's not stable. The things that you were expecting to see in the end, the promises of the covenant, they're not coming to fruition. God, this doesn't make any sense. But yet you're telling me you're going to come and get me. You're telling me that after this period of time, which seems a little bit longer than what it should be, you're telling me that you're going to fulfill the promise of the covenant, but it doesn't make sense, God. What do I do? How do I cling to the covenant? What's the good in clinging to the thing that you said if I can't see it with my own eyes? You know, years ago, uh, my wife and I, we got married uh, in 2015. And when we did, our church was so generous. You were so generous to us. You gave us all these gift cards and cards, and there was just so much stuff. And I remember we were trying to put everything together before our honeymoon, and, and we were trying to make sure that we kept track of everything. And the problem is we didn't have a plan for how we were going to keep track of all these gift cards. Like, this was new to us, so we didn't know. Like, man, I wasn't expecting to get this many gift cards. wasn't expecting to get this many checks. How are we supposed to keep all this together? And so when we did, we, we kept it together in the way that we thought was best. But there was one problem. There was a gift card to a store that was pretty substantial gift card, and we had put it in a suitcase. We had put it in a pocket of a suitcase, and we had totally forgotten about it. So we thought we had used all of our gift cards. Well, Zoom four years later after our second child, Beniah, was born, we were looking at making a pretty substantial purchase for him. You know, babies need car seats and strollers and all kinds of other things. Kids are expensive, right? And so I was looking at making this purchase. I believe it was a car seat. And I was like, man, I really need to, to go, and go ahead and buy this car seat because he's expanding. He's getting bigger. It's that time. And so my wife comes up to me. She says, hey, I found this gift card when I was cleaning. And I look at it. I said, is this a gift card from our wedding? She said, yeah, I can't believe it. But it's a gift card from our wedding. And the reality is it was so worn down based upon where it was. I thought we had already used it. I'm like, I don't know if we've used it. I, I, I don't know. I think it's probably empty. I think there's probably nothing in it. She said, but take it with you because if it's the amount that I think it is, it could really help us make this purchase. So I take it to the store. I go and I pick out the car seat. 
And then I go up to the front and I almost completely forgot about it because I said, this is probably senseless. I don't want to have them deny my card right in front of everybody. Be like, no, you don't have anything on this gift card. Make me seem like I don't know what's going on, right? And so, but I said, well, you know, I'll just give it a try. So I apologetically said to the lady, I said, yeah, you know, I, I, there's this gift card. It's, it's about four years ago. And, and so she, she doesn't say anything to me. She swipes the gift card. She says, yeah, it's this amount on it. I said, wow, that's amazing. Can we put this toward this purchase? She said, of course. And I said, you know, I, I didn't even think that the gift card was still good. She said, get this, the card is good as long as you hold on to it. <laughs> Some of y'all caught that. The card is good as long as you hold on to it. As long as you hold on to the card, the money that was originally placed on it is still valid no matter when you use it. You could wait a lifetime. You could wait 50 to 60 to 70 years to use it. And as long as we are still in business and you held on to the card, the card is still good. The contents of the card don't change based upon the time it takes for the card to be used. The contents of the promise don't change no matter how long it takes for the promise to be realized. The contents of what was promised to you, what was agreed to you on the dotted line, what was seen on the back of the gift card, what was seen on the back of the agreement, that is actually still going to be present no matter when it comes into fruition. And I believe someone needs to hear this today. The promise is still valid. The promise is still good. The thing that God told you that you haven't seen come into fruition, it's still valid no matter when it comes to pass, no matter when God actualizes it, no matter when you see the manifestation of it. And some of us don't realize this, and we've been questioning God, and we've been looking down on God. But here's the thing. The promises of God don't have an expiration date. The promises of God don't run out. There are new mercies for us every single morning. Great is the faithfulness of God because the faithfulness of God will keep me even when I don't see the manifestation of the plan that don't make sense to me. Even when the thing God told me and promised me doesn't come to pass, it doesn't matter if it's 10 days or 10 weeks or 10 months or 10 years or an entire lifetime. Get this church. It doesn't matter if I don't even see it for myself. The promises of God are still valid and God wants you to hear that today, that he hasn't forgotten about you. If you just cling to the covenant, the promise is as good as long as you hold on to it. Where's your grip at? Where's your determination? Where's your perseverance? Where's your stick to Where's your ability to say, I'm going to vice grip this promise. And even if I don't see it in the time that I expect it to, God's still going to come through. I still believe that the promise isn't going to run out, that the covenant is not going to expire. And what's the promise here for the children of Israel? He says, I'll bring you back to the place they took you from. <laughs> I'm going to bring you back to the place that they robbed you of. I'm gonna bring you back to the situation that was removed from you. And I, somebody needs to hear this today. Somebody needs to hear this. Everything that has been removed can still be restored. Everything that has been removed can still be restored. No, you might not be able to get physical situations and people and relationships back, but God will replace everything that was removed from you 
with something that restores you to better than you were before. I know it doesn't seem like it right now, but if you can vice grip that covenant, if you can cling to the promise, if you can cling to the truth, if you can hang on to it and realize that the promise is still valid, that what God has told me is going to happen, is still going to come to pass, that the covenant is not going to run out, that God's faithfulness doesn't have an expiration date. I think somebody, you need to clench your fist right now, wherever you are. You need to clench your fist and say, I'm holding on, God. I'm clinging to your promise. I'm clinging to your plan. Even if it doesn't make sense, somebody ought to stand up to your feet right now. I believe someone needs to be encouraged. I feel it so deep in my spirit. You need to be encouraged that everything that's been removed can still be restored. Everything that has been taken away from you, God says, I'll replace it. I'll restore it back because the covenant's still good. The promise is still valid. And some of you have been waiting and you've been sitting here wondering, God, your plans don't make sense. Doesn't make any sense to me. I don't see the materialization of it. I like the two-year exile, not the 70-year. The pandemic's not lifting quick enough. Will you develop in the dark places? Will you see God in your sadness? Will you cling to the covenant? My plan is still good. That's what God is saying. You just have to hold on to it. You just have to hold on to the covenant. Father, we acknowledge your presence in this place. We thank you that you're good enough to hang on to the promises. We thank you that you're good enough to put us in positions where the plan doesn't make sense. Why? Because you're trying to teach us something. You're not just trying to give us something. You're trying to teach us something. And God, we can say we have a quality of relationship with you because we've been through something with you. It's been developed in our hearts, developed in our souls, And God, it feels uncomfortable. And many people right now, as I stretch my hands toward the camera, many people right now are struggling. Can you stretch your hand back if you're struggling? Just go ahead, right where you are, stretch your hand back. There's not any power in my hands. There's not any power in my pronouncement or my emotional exertion. That's not really where the power is. The power is in the spirit. And I believe that God has a promise that he wants to remind you of today. And some of you are gonna renew that promise. I want you before the end of the day, right after this service, if you can, I want you to go and write down what that promise is. And I want you to place it in a place where you can see it. I want you to cling to the promise. I want you to hold on to it, cling to the covenant. Because the things that God has promised you, if it came from him, has no expiration date. It's not gonna run out. It can be as simple as as something that you feel is an immutable truth of scripture. Or it can be as extensive as something that It's very personal to you. I want you to go and I want you to write it down. I want you to put it in a place. Once a day, I want you to touch it. Why? Because it's some incantation? Because it's supposed to be some sort of magic trick? No, that's not what I'm talking about. I believe that our faith must always remain in the covenant that God has made with us. And if God is good enough to save us from sin, and if God is good enough to sanctify us in the midst of our situation. God's good enough to cling to the covenant. So Father, right now, I pray that as I stretch my hands, that you would would extend faith to your people, that the Holy Spirit of God would fall upon the people of God, that we would find in you completeness and wholeness, that we would find in you the power that is necessary to cling to what you have called us to. We may not see, be able to see, as Dr. King said, the mountaintop, We may not be able to get there in the time that we expect, but we will get there. 
we will get to the place you have called us to. And so we develop in dark places. We seek you wholeheartedly in the sadness and we cling to the covenant. God, I pray that you would help us to hang on even when your plans don't make sense. Will you meet us in these moments? In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. (laughs) Cling to the covenant, cling to the promise, church. I love you so much. Well, hey, church, I hope that you are encouraged. I hope that that word really blessed you. It blessed me, and it's been doing some things in me throughout the entire week as I've meditated on it. And I pray that you are clinging to that promise, clinging to the covenant. I really hope that you would go and write down the promises that God has given to you, place it in a place where you can see it, and that you will every single day look at it and believe it. I want to encourage you, if you have not made the decision to believe in the ultimate promise, which is the promise of eternal life, that those who believe in Jesus... Those who trust in the example of Christ, the greatest promise that has been given to us, that those who turn from their sins, choose the free gift of salvation, that they will be saved, that there will be a promise of eternal life. I encourage you to make that decision today. Now is the time of salvation. Today is the acceptable day. And so I encourage you to lift up your hands wherever you are, if that's you, and just say, God, I believe. (laughs) I believe in your son, Jesus. I want to turn from the way of living that I previously had and I want to follow after Jesus. No turning back. If you've made that decision, I want you to type home in the comments because God has invited you into his family. We welcome you into the family of God. Also, if this is your first time, I want you to put first time in the comments. We're so excited. Wherever you tuned in, we have people who tune in across the country and even a couple that tune in across the world, wherever you are. I just want to encourage you. Thank you so much for being a virtual guest and inviting us into your home as we have invited you into this virtual worship experience. Let me say something else here. I know because of the hurricanes and all the things that have happened, people have been asking the question, are we still having groups? Yes, we are still having groups. Let me encourage you to fill out the group's form. Groups will start next week, not this upcoming week, but next week. And and here's the thing, if you don't fill it out here, if you don't fill it out right now, you can still join a group later, but I want to encourage you to go ahead and put in groups. There's about four to five groups that we're gonna have that people can split up and be a part of, virtual groups, social distancing, all those things. So we're not gonna be reckless. We're not gonna put you in danger. This is a great place for you to connect. Down in the pinned comment, there is a place that says to join a group. Click that link and fill out that three to four question survey. That's all you have to do. And to those who have already filled it out, we see you. You're already placed. You're good. Don't worry about it, okay? I encourage you to join a group. I'm joining a group. I hope you will join a group because we believe that God wants to develop something in the fellowship with other believers. And once again, before we close out, if you haven't given today, you have the opportunity to do so in three very simple and easy ways. You can go to Tively, the Tively app and type in New Dimensions Christian Center, or you can go to our website, ndccpensacola.org and click offerings, or you can mail it in the old fashioned way, PO Box 6400, Pensacola, Florida, 32503. Well, I hope you have enjoyed today's service. So much has happened. So many amazing things still to come in this year, 2020 is not over. I encourage you to join us on Tuesday for our midweek Bible study and on Thursday for Talk Back Thursday. We have a special guest on Thursday I'm really, really excited about. I hope that you will come and hear us there. Well, until then, I encourage you to continue to remain clinging, remain committed. 
to the covenant of God, to the promise of God, even when the plans of God don't make sense. I love you so much, and we'll see you next week right here at NDCC Pensacola, where our destiny is helping you to unlock your destiny. Have a great week.